Second Kings chapter number five, and uh, I want to uh, just preach uh, from this text uh, a thought uh, that it's not really a thought of mine, it's the thought of the Word of God, it's what the Bible says, and I think that it can be an encouragement to everybody in this room. Uh, every one of you, and myself included, uh, need, needs to hear something like this, and I, I, I preached this this morning as well. I preached this, this is actually a message I preached two, in two parts last week in the missions revival, but I'm just going to give it to you, and I uh, don't know necessarily what gear I'm going to get in, but it ain't about a gear, it's about preaching the Bible, so I want to I preach the Bible to you and encourage you in the Lord uh, tonight. Uh, let's read just a few verses, and we'll pray, and then we'll get right into the story that's taking place here, and uh, then I'll pull out uh, the burden of my heart. The Bible says this in verse number one, so 2 Kings chapter number five, verse number one, the Bible says, now Naaman captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master. So the Bible has told us two things already. He's a captain and he's great. And then it says, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. So the, all automatically, right off the bat, we find out that this man named Naaman is a captain. That means he's a leader. He is a army uh, or a military captain, he's a military leader. He is a great man with his master, meaning that he's a good man. His master would be the king of Syria. The king of Syria trusted in him. The king of Syria uh, uh, believed in his captain. He believed that he could send this man out to war with that army and that he would come back with a victory. He, he believed this. He also trusted in Naaman that I could send Naaman out with my men and he's not going to uh, try to uh, undermine authority of the king. He's not going to try to twist their allegiance from Syria. He's not going to lead them off to start a new country or anything like that. So he's a great man, was master. His king trusted in this is this. He was honorable. So he had honor. He was a man of honor, meaning that he was a man that you could look up to. He was a man that you would uh, uh, tell your children, hey, that's a man to aspire to be like. That's a, that's a man that you would want to have as an example. That would be a, a man that uh, if your son had a poster of him in his room, you wouldn't be upset about that. You know, there's some people in the world that if my son was to idolize, if he was to look at and say, hey, I want a poster of them, I'd say, no, you ain't hanging a poster of that guy in my house. You're just not going to do it. You buy your own room, you can hang whatever you want to. Uh, but, but and, and it may be stuff that I couldn't explain to an eight-year-old why. Um, but then again, it might be some stuff I can say, well, look, they're a drunkard. Uh, they're a whoremonger. They're a God uh, denier. Yeah, they may look real cool on TV. They may be a superstar football player, but they're a, a blasphemer, and we're not doing that. But Naaman is a man that was honorable. He would be a man that, that as you, if you heard your son say, I'm going to grow up and be the next Naaman, it wouldn't bother you one bit because he's honorable. He would be a man that as he would parade through the streets of Syria that young mothers would look at their young boys and say I want you to grow up and be like him and, and uh, so Naaman is a good man he's honorable he's a great man he's a captain but then it says this because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria so, so God is using Naaman God is using now I don't know before all of this takes place I, I don't believe that Naaman is a believer in verse number one I don't believe that Naaman believes on the God of Israel Jehovah God in 
in verse number one. But God is using him and he don't even know it. And may I say this, God uses people without their even knowledge. You know this, that God can use men in leadership whether they know him or not. God sits and uh, sits down and he raises up kings. Uh, he sits down and he raises up those that are in leadership. And uh, he uses Naaman. And watch this, but Naaman is not only honorable, great, he's a captain, he's a winner. I like that about Naaman. He wins. He gave deliverance unto Syria. He went. When he goes to battle, he goes out there to win. He's not going out there to play footsie with the enemy. He's not going out there to play patty cake with the enemy. He's going out there to win. And God let him win a lot of battles. And then look what it says. He was also a mighty man in valor. That word valor means he was a courageous man. Naaman was a man who did not back down from a fight. Now, I don't know uh, much about Naaman. I know as much as you do because that's, I'm reading what the Bible says about him, okay? Uh, but, but, but valor means he's courageous. I don't know if Naaman went out and picked fights with people, but, but I do know this. Naaman didn't back down from a fight. You know, we need men like that today that don't go out and pick fights with people, but they draw a line in the sand uh, and say, look, I'm, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going, to, I'm going to stand with God and, and I'm going to defend my family. I'm going to defend the gospel. I'm going to defend the word of God. I'm not going to pick a fight, but I bless God I will not back down from a fight from the enemy. And that's Naaman. Naaman's a good man. If I stop there, Naaman's a hero, if you will. There's a conjunction in this verse. You know what conjunction is? It's a, it's a word that turns the whole direction of the sentence. It's a word that turns the direction of the statement. Notice this conjunction here in verse number five, or verse number one in chapter five says, but, but he was a leper. He was a leper. And that's not leopard like a, like a cat with spots on it, okay? <laughs> it's a leper. It's a, it's a sickness. But he was a leper. He's honorable, esteemed by the people, highly decorated soldier. He's a hero. But there's one problem with Naaman. I see his character. He's a great man, but I see his condition. He's got a great problem. He's a leper. He's got this, he's got this disease of leprosy. And leprosy was a terrible disease in the Bible days. Leprosy would start out as a small spot on the skin somewhere that maybe would be something that we would even look past and say, yeah, I don't think much about that. But all of a sudden it would start spreading around across the body. It was very painful. It was, it was very nasty. Uh, and then they tell us that when you read about leprosy, it would also, if it got so bad, it would get, it would get bad if it was without treatment and stuff like that. Uh, it, it would get so bad that your fingers and your toes, your hands and your feet, they would lose feeling in them. And then in extreme cases, your fingers and toes would start falling off. I mean, it was bad. And, and leprosy was a terrible disease. If they had leprosy in the Bible days, they were marked off from society. In Israel, they would be. Anyway, remember, this is a Syrian man, not an Israel man. But in Israel, they would cast these lepers off to another part of the town outside the city gates. And they would have to beg and barter. They couldn't live with anybody else because they were unclean. Matter of fact, if a leper was to come near you or you were to come near a leper, the leper would have to call out, unclean, unclean, unclean. Basically, stay away, stay away. Uh, you thought it was bad in COVID when, when, uh, when all them people were telling us six feet apart. Uh, I mean, think about if you had COVID, you had to say, unclean, unclean, unclean. 
That's about what people do nowadays. Everything I got a little sniffle. Stay away. But anyway, it's worse than a sniffle. Worse than COVID. It was it was a leprosy that would, would would destroy your body, and it would destroy it from the outside. It wasn't you know you it wasn't these sickness where you've seen people you've seen people that look perfectly healthy and then they they drop dead and something on the inside. The leprosy you watched them die. You saw it on the outside. Their skin's falling apart. Their body parts are even falling off. And, and so leprosy was, uh, leprosy would spread all around. But watch this. And, and, but, but leprosy in the Bible is a picture of sin. And many of you know that. That it's a picture of sin. And a sinner is unclean. You know what sin does? Sin starts off as a little spot in our life. And sin starts off with something that's little that might be hid. It might be something we can just take care of uh, with a little ointment. We, it seems like we're okay. We got this under control. But when it is not taken care of the proper way, it spreads all throughout our life. And then eventually we'll stop having feeling. Sin will harden your heart. And it won't be long. Some parts of your life will start falling apart. All because that little sin that you never took care of. But a picture of a leper, a person who has leprosy, is a picture of a sinner. And in the Bible days, leprosy was uncurable. The only way you could have leprosy healed was a miracle. And just like sin, sin is uncurable by man's way. I mentioned Alcohol Anonymous just a minute ago, AA. And AA is man's fix for alcoholism. The problem is man can't fix That's a band-aid on a sin, on leprosy. A N.A., Narcotics Anonymous, that's a humanism, that's a man's fix on a, and putting a band-aid on a sin problem that really the only thing that's going to really take care of that is a miracle of God. And sin can only be taken care of by a miracle of God. A sinner is unclean. A sinner is diseased. A sinner is dying in their sin. And all around us tonight, there are people who are spiritual lepers. I don't know where you've been today, but if you've been anywhere where there are people, there were sinners around you today. There were spiritual lepers around you today. There are many spiritual lepers who claim that they are Christians, but yet they are lost without God. There are many that hold leadership positions in churches today that are lost without God. They are spiritual lepers. And watch this, many of them are like Naaman, successful in life. Listen, sin doesn't always, it doesn't always look bad on the outside, right? Right, sin doesn't always look bad on the outside. The alcohol advertisements are not showing this low-down, sorry daddy that doesn't raise his children, right? The alcohol advertisements not showing of the lady, the woman who, who leaves her husband and her children behind all because for another drink. The alcohol advertisement does not show that it's a gateway to hard drugs and methamphetamines and crack cocaine. They don't show the needle in their arm. They don't show the jail cell. They don't show the graveyard. They don't show the bad. It doesn't always look bad on the outside. And boy, I could, take, I could take our young people. I can take them down to the jail. And let them talk to those that are incarcerated. And they'd say, don't go down this lifestyle. But there's some people right down the road that it looks like everything's going for them. And they're doing the same stuff. It looks like they're successful. 
They got money in the bank, toys in the yard, everything on the outside looks good, but they're going to hell. They're sinners, they're lepers, they're unclean, and they're dying in their sin. You may look at a man and say, man, that's a successful businessman. But if he's not saved, he's a spiritual leper. You may look at a lady and say, man, that's a beautiful lady. It looks like everything's going for her. But if she's not saved, she's a spiritual leper. Matter of fact, all of us were spiritual lepers before we met Christ. And here's a man, Naaman, who's got it all going for him. But he has a problem. He's got a disease, watch this, that he does not have a cure for. In all of his greatness, I imagine he had a lot of money. All of his money, all of his power, all of his prestige, all of his popularity could not buy him a cure for leprosy. He needed a miracle. He needed a miracle. And the most amazing thing takes place in this story. God brings someone in Naaman's life who leads him to the Lord. And this this someone is an unexpected someone. Y'all ready? Look at verse number two. And the Syrians, that's Naaman's crew, go, had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel. So, so just picture this. The Syrians, who, Naaman's, who Naaman is leading, goes into Israel and they are taking captives, meaning that, that Naaman has whooped up on the Israelites. And he's taking people out as captives and making them slaves. And notice what your Bible says. Verse number two, captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. So get this. There's this little girl who she has now been brought out of Israel, away from her family, out of her country. And now she has not just made anybody's servant. She's now the servant of Naaman and his wife. Look at verse number 3. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. So, so I want to look just a moment at this maid. I see this maid in the story. The Syrians have gone out and they've taken captives from the land of Israel and the, these captives become their slaves. And one of the captives is this little maid, a young Jewish girl. Can you put yourself in that girl's shoes for a moment? Can you think about one day your home being invaded, being kidnapped, and taken away from your family? Can you think about being taken away from everything you've ever known, taken to another land where you might not even speak the language of the people who are telling you what to do? I can't imagine that. I'm a spoiled American. The closest thing I've ever had any kind of fears like this whatsoever was 22 years ago when 9-11 happened. It was a fear of what's going to happen. Is the Muslims going to take over? And they didn't, and praise, praise God for that. But there was a fear there of what's going to happen. But I've never thought, I've never had this fear. Well, I try to imagine what she'd feel like, but I can't really imagine what she'd feel like. The little girl, I, I can think about this. I can think about my little girl just being scared to go to the bathroom by herself. Right? Maggie gets so scared. I mean, our house ain't no big old house. and I mean, there's a bedroom on one side of the bathroom. There's a hallway on the other. I mean, from the living room to the bathroom, you can talk to each other. I mean, it's small enough. And yet, and yet she'll say, come stand at the door. Come please, Daddy, come just stand at the door while I'm taking a shower. She's scared to go back. I can't imagine if she's been took off to another country. 
And imagine if she'd make a, be made a slave of people that she might not, again, might not even understand. I don't know what language the Syrians spoke. Can you imagine that? Imagine the pain, the heartache that she must have experienced. But in spite of all of that, in spite of her circumstances, watch this, she's better off than Naaman is. He said, I don't know about that. Well, just wait a minute. Yeah, she's a slave and he's a captain. Yeah, she's a little young maid and he's a, he's a big, bad military man, but, but, but he's got leprosy and she don't. Her help, she's she got better help than he does. But watch this, even better than that. He don't know God, and she does. You know, as little, as little as she was, as young as she was, as insignificant as she was, she was better off than this mighty man of valor named Naaman. She was better because she knew God, and he did not. Now, I say this tonight, you may not think you're, you're not, you may not think you're significant at all, you may think that you're a big nobody and a big nothing in this world, and that might be true, but guess what? If you know God, you're better off than anybody else in this world. Amen. Hey, 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 oh, primetime Deion Sanders getting all the hype right now in the sports world. Everybody thinks he's the best coach in college football. I don't know about that, but anyway, they think he's the best thing, and he's, he's always thought he's the best thing. They say he got saved, but, but when you get saved, pride goes away. I, I mean, anyway, 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 anyway. He, they, he, they think, and you may say, I'm nothing compared to primetime Deion Sanders. I, I'm nothing compared or maybe whoever it is you think is the best thing since sliced bread in the world I'm nothing compared to it. yeah but they don't know God and you do so you're better off than they are amen they've got leprosy and you don't you're better off now watch this this young lady is given no name in the Bible I imagine she had a name but we don't know it I wonder if the Syrians knew it I wonder if they just said hey little girl hey little maid Hey, girl, come here. I don't know what they call her, but I knew though this, the Holy Ghost only gives us this description, a little maid. That's the name the Holy Spirit wants us to know. Now, I didn't have to look this up, but I did just in case. You know what little means? Small. It means young. She's a small, young girl she's just a young girl and I would say that I would I imagine I, I think this about her when I read the first part of this story and you would think this about her if you read this first part if you ain't never heard this story before and everybody she's an insignificant part of this story matter of fact if I was writing this story I'd not, I wouldn't even have mentioned it she's insignificant she's just a little slave girl but listen to me nobody is insignificant to the Lord not, not, not you, not me, not whoever else you might want to fill in the blank for. Nobody is insignificant to the Lord. And listen, she's separated from her family. Her family probably thinks she's dead. They probably thought them old Syrians took her off and they killed her. And they may have been trying to locate her and they've given up all hope and they didn't know where she was at. But God knew where she was at. God knew this little maid. And God had a plan for this little maid's life. I don't you understand on Wednesday night just a handful of folks, no matter how insignificant you think you are, God knows you. He loves you. And God wants to use you tonight. Every single by a person in this room. And I didn't say God wanted to use you. He wants to. Present tense wants to use you. It's not enough what we did in the past. What are we doing now with our lives for God? 
And you might say this, I'm just an insignificant person. Not to God you're not. You might think, I don't know what God could do, ever do with me. God wants to do great things. I'm saying wants to right now. Not yesterday, not 50 years ago. Right now, God wants to do something with you. So I see the maid. Watch this, I see her message. I see her message. Look at the Bible. Verse number 3 says, she said unto the, her mistress, she goes to Naaman's wife, says, would, to, would God, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria. Here's what she's saying. She says this, I wish, I wish Naaman could get down to the man of God down there in Samaria. There's a man of God down in Israel. I wish he could get down there. Now watch this, watch this. This, this spoke to my heart. This little girl is touched by her master's leprosy. Wait a minute. She watches Naaman. Now in the, in the public eye, I don't know, I would imagine Naaman probably put on the show. What I mean by that? I mean that Naaman probably didn't let everybody know he was hurting. Wouldn't that? That'd be, that'd be sorry looking, wouldn't it? Your, your army captain. Come. I mean, listen, listen, listen. Whatever you think about him, whatever you think about his policies, whatever you think. Hadn't it been embarrassing watching Biden fall down on steps and fall down on steps? Whatever you think about it. You might think he's the greatest president in the world. We probably need to get you a, a mental evaluation if you do. But, but nonetheless, you might think. But isn't it embarrassing watching your commander-in-chief fall over on stage? Right? Can't even walk up the steps on an airplane like, dude, come on, man. That's embarrassing, right? And so, and so I would say Naaman, I don't know who the commander, I don't know who the, the, the chief of the army or the general of the army is right now. I don't know who all those people are. But when, when I think of the, of the big man in the military, I want to see a big old, I, listen, I'm just, I, want, I, I want him to have a flat top, right? I want him to, be a, I want to, have, a, I want him to have like a size 25 neck. You know what I'm talking about? I, I want him to, I, if he ain't broad in the shoulders, I want him to have the shoulder pads on the jacket to make him look like he's, I mean, put a roll, neck roll on the back of his shoulder pads and make, I want my, I want our army man to look big and bad. G.I. Joe doesn't look like Ken, right? You know what I'm saying? G.I. Joe, the little dolls, little girls play with G.I. Joe. I hope boys didn't play. But G.I. Joe didn't look like Barbie's little Ken doll, Right? And it's embarrassing if he's got something wrong that it would be showing. So I would say that Naaman did not let the public eye see his problem. He probably wore clothes that would cover it as much as possible. He would never, he would never show his uh, pain, his agony. But what, guess what? When he got home, he did. Right? When he got home, this little girl saw what kind of pain he was really in. More than likely, because of the nastiness of these sores, uh, that those sores would probably leak out pus and things like that on the clothes. And more than likely, she would have to go get other clothes ready for him. She may would have to be the one who get bandages for him. She would probably hear Naaman's wife complain. And, 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 not, and I don't know, I'm not saying anything negative about Naaman's wife. I'm just saying she probably heard her complain about how hard it was to take care of all these sores and, and to try to live the life they're trying to live, almost like a double life. I've got to be one way in the public eye, but one way at home. And she saw all this. Now watch this, watch this. Naaman is her master because he came into Israel he led the army. He destroyed Israel. He captured her. This wasn't no like, oh, this accidentally, you know, somebody else got me in slavery and through chain of events I ended up at your house. No, 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 no. She's in the house of the guy who's responsible for not just her slavery, but her whole family and other people in, the, in, in Israel's, all of their slavery. You listen. This ain't, in her eyes, this ain't a good man. 
We've read verse 1, and we look at him through the eyes of the people of Syria. He looks like a hero. But in this girl's eyes, he's the reason for my slavery. What, what, can I, he's the reason of the trouble I'm in. He's the reason for, for this pain that I go through of not being with my family. He's the reason that I can't sleep at night because I'm still in a strange country. He's the reason that I can't understand. I'm so scared all the time because I don't really understand what these people are talking about because I don't know their language. Or right, listen, this is the man. This, and watch this. She looks at it and she's touched by what he's going through. And, and if it would have been me, and I, I think some of you are probably on the same, same level as I am. A lot of you are so much better than I am, but some of you are on the same level on this. You wouldn't be praying for his salvation. You'd be praying, Lord, let that leprosy kill him. Okay, maybe I'm the only one. I, I, I'd be praying, Lord, let it kill him fast. Maybe if he dies, his wife will let me go back home. Maybe if he dies, Syria will lose their strength and Israel will come back and rescue me. Now listen, that's how we would be praying. You know, that's because, you know why I know that's true? Because I, I hear how y'all talk about the ones that ain't ever done nothing to you. I hear we talk about the, the people in leadership in our country who ain't never really done nothing to, ain't put you in slavery. I know how I am. I, I know how I pray sometimes. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying what it is. That's what it is. We murder, our, we, we, we have hatred toward people. And listen, if anybody gets a justification, if we were going to give a pass for hatred, we'd give this little girl a pass, wouldn't we? We wouldn't think nothing about it. If she was to come up to us and say, I hate Naaman. Look at all the stuff he done. You know what we'd want to do as men? We want to go fight Naaman. I'm dealing with something right now. I'm dealing with something right now with a young lady. And, and, and she has been through things that no, no young person should ever go through. No young person should ever have to go through what she's been through. I'm going to tell you what it does for me. It makes me want to go. I'm tell, it makes me want to go handle business. To the point I don't have dreams, I'm not trying to, but I don't have dreams. I never dream, ever, ever hardly dream. But I got to dwelling on that the other day, and I guess I just started dwelling on it even in the nighttime, and I had a dream that, I, that, I, that something like that happened to my daughter. And, and I woke up fighting mad. I mean, I woke up ready to go. I'm not, I'm not even that kind, but I woke up ready to go blow somebody's brains out. You get me? And here, here's what I'm trying to say. We would give her a pass. We would justify her anger. But that's not how she responds. And listen, this is not no fake tale. This is not no fake story. This is a real story. And look how she responds. Would, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that's in Samaria. Notice your Bible, the punctuation mark after that word Samaria. It's an exclamation mark. There's excitement. Look at what she says. She's got a message. Here's the thing. She knows something Naaman doesn't know. Listen, listen. She knows there's a God in heaven. There's a, there's a God in heaven. There's a man of God in Samaria. And if them two get together, there's no telling what will happen to Naaman. She's got a message. Watch this. It was providential. It was not coincidence that, that she was Naaman's wife's maid. God orchestrated that. Now listen, was God for Israel being enslaved? Did God, did God make that happen this time? No. Other times, yeah, it was judgment. 
God was not for this. God was, but watch this. God orchestrated. God allowed all this to happen. Why? To get the attention of a man named Naaman. It was not coincidence. It was not just an odd situation. I mean, watch this. She's just doing what she's supposed to do. Submitted to serving Naaman's wife. Hey, and listen, it's not what she would have picked as her life. She would never said, I want to be a slave when I grow up. But she's trusting the Lord that God knows what he's doing. God knows how to do it better than she does. And she's just going to keep doing what she's supposed to be doing. And watch this. There's many times in our lives. We don't understand why we go through what we go through. We don't understand why we end up in certain circumstances. Oh, but you know what we need to do is just do what we're supposed to be doing while we're supposed to be doing and trust God that He knows what He's doing and that He knows exactly where I'm at and God's got a plan for all of this. She didn't have Romans 8, 28 in her Bible. You know, she didn't have that verse. You know, we know all things work together for good. Those She didn't have that in her Bible. But she trusted it. She believed it. There are many times we're not going to understand. Somebody says, well, I don't want to be a slave in Naaman's house. Maybe somebody tonight says, I don't want to have that job. I, I don't want to be in this community. I don't want this sickness. I don't want this problem. I, I don't understand why God is doing what he's doing. And you know what? We don't understand. We don't always understand. But many times, God is providentially placing you in situations that may seem less than desirable so that we can give the message to some Naaman who needs to know the Lord. I've had a lot of the stories, and I could tell you a bunch of stories, and I'm not going to bore you with stories tonight, but because but, we got to go. But, but I remember just back in May, back in May, and Brother Luke went up, I took him up to a meeting with me in South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina area, and, and we start heading back about 9.30 that night, 10 o'clock that night, and we get on the interstate, and all of a sudden, kapow, I hear a tire blow out. And we pull over to the side of the road, and, uh, and, and I, I, I said, well, I said, you know, thank the Lord. At first I was praying, Lord, get us, when we get off on the exit, I do not want to pull over to the side of the interstate at night. I'm not even sure what side of my tire's on. And, I, and, 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 of course, Brother Luke starts worrying, and he's like, he's like, don't you need to pull over, Pastor? And I said, we're going to get to an exit. And I said, just pray. And, he'd say, and he'd, we'd keep going a little bit. He said, don't you need to pull over? I said, we're going to get to an exit. Just pray. And finally I said, Luke, shut up and pray. <laughs> I said, we're going to get to an exit. We got to an exit. And uh, we got out exit, and we start trying to get all the stuff out of the out of the back seat of the truck because that's where all the spare, all the stuff, my tools are. And that's but that's also where all our luggage is. And we're trying to get it all out, and we're trying to find how to even get this tire off the back, uh, off the uh, bottom of my bed. All this stuff going on. And every time I said, "Let's just pray. Let's just pray. Let's just pray." We start trying to break the lug nuts loose, and my goodness, they were on there. I'm talking about 200 and your pound business jumping up and down on the wrench, and it not budding. Them things were on there. And, uh, and I said, I, and I, he said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to pray. We're going to pray right now. Pray over these lug nuts. Pray. And finally, they start breaking. We, I mean, and finally, everything starts, and everything was going wrong. And every time, and that wasn't trying to be spiritual. But I don't know what to do. I'm not smart. Some of y'all, if me and you, knew, you would know exactly what to do. And in five minutes, you'd have had it done in the back row. Bravo for you. All I know is pray. <laughs> That's all I know I do. Great for you. Thumbs up for you. But I said, all right, just pray. Just pray. Just pray. Just pray. Well, all of a sudden, we finally, finally get this thing rolling. And we finally get everything on. And uh, about that time, the bottom falls out. <laughs> and I said, Lord, just let me get back in the truck. <laughs> And I get back in the truck, and, and the, 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 the tire needs to be pumped up. And so there's the loves right there close. And I said, just pray we can make it over to the loves. We get over to the loves, and uh, we go in there. And I go in that loves, and, 
We got grease all over us, all stuff, you know, tire dirt. I don't know what all that stuff is, black stuff all over us, you know. So we go wash off and all that stuff, and we come out there, and there's a girl, and uh, she's running the register. She's got a filthy mouth. And uh, I tell her about what's going on, and she's blankety blank this, oh, blankety blank. You know, I didn't holler out about her cussing. I think that's trashy and filthy, by the way. I don't think a man a man looks stupid when they cuss, and a woman is trashy. Y'all hear me? You young people, listen to me. You boys, you young men, if you if you talk using foul language, you are an idiot. That's what you sound like. I'm talking about to people like me. I, I mean, you sound like a, a, a idiot when you use that word. And I'm telling you, ladies, if y'all cuss, you are trashy. I'm thankful for a mama that taught me that women who smoke, drink, and cuss are trashy. That's what she, and, and she didn't have to tell me about her lips. I watched her like. And, and, and so, so I'm going to say, so she starts doing it, and I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, she's trashy. You can, you can call me what you want, but I didn't say nothing to her about her cussing. I just looked at her. I said, well, you know what? It's the grace of God we got off that interstate. She kind of looked at me funny. I said, yeah, it was the divine providence of God they let me get that tire on. I said, it was the sovereignty of God that got me all the way over here to this little air pump. I said, you know what? It's the blessings of God that me and you get to meet tonight. She's looking at me cross-eyed at that point. I said, you know what? God might have orchestrated all of that just for me to come by here tonight and tell you that Jesus loves you and he died on the cross for your sins and he was buried and he rose again the third day. And I said, ma'am, I read her name tag. I read her name back to her. I said, ma'am, I said, Miss Walter, I said, God will save you tonight. Now listen to me, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. It ain't in my business. My business is to sow the seed. But what happened was, we finally got all that stuff. We got on the road. And it's what Brother Luke looked at me. He said, does stuff like this happen to you all the time? <laughs> I said, no, but it's real good when it does. Because while I won't, I mean, I'm also in the flesh, I'm getting really ticked off that all this is happening, just to be honest. I really don't like being off schedule. I don't like stuff tearing up. I don't like, especially at 1030 at night on the side of the interstate in a town you don't know nobody. But when God gives you those divine appointments, he may be letting you go through circumstances. He may let, and, and that's something small, I know. He may be letting some big stuff happen in your life. Also, you could be a witness to somebody else. Also, you might have an opportunity, a providential, a providential opportunity to get somebody the gospel. It was providential. It was passionate. I told you about that exclamation point. There was excitement in her voice. I know a man of God. I wish Elisha was here. He could do something about it. But then I see it was not only passionate, providential, it was powerful. Here's what she says. She said, uh, Verse number, verse number three, would God, my Lord, were, the pro, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. She's got confidence that God can heal Naaman. Now, I'm not going to deal with all this. You can read it for yourself. Here's your homework assignment. Read the rest of this story. It's amazing. Naaman goes to Elisha's house. Elisha doesn't even go knock or answer the door. He sends a servant. Go tell him to dip into the Jordan seven times. Naaman gets mad. He gets ticked off. He's wroth, the Bible says. What do you mean this prophet won't even come talk to me? He don't, he don't know who I am. And what does he mean go dip into muddy Jordan seven times? There's better rivers down in Damascus. I came all this way for that. You read the story. Read the story. Finally, 
another unnamed servant tells Naaman, hey, if he'd asked you to do something big, you'd done it, wouldn't you? Naaman says, well, I guess, and Naaman comes to himself and says, well, yeah, I guess. Well, then go try dipping in the Jordan. The Bible says this, Naaman dips in the Jordan seven times, and when he comes up that seventh time, the Bible says that his skin was like a little child, like a little child. Now, it would have been a miracle enough if just the leprosy goes away, right? Wouldn't that be a miracle, just the leprosy go away? But it's bigger than that. He gets new skin. Now, friend, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not an old man, but I don't have skin like a little child, right? And, uh, and, 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 and some of you do a lot of stuff to cover up your skin that's not like a little child, right? It's a miracle enough to get rid of the leprosy. But God, here's what God does when he saved. And here's the, the picture of Naaman is, is Naaman is a sinner who gets saved. That's the picture here, the gospel. And Naaman's life has changed. And not only is he physically healed, he goes on in the next verse that later on in the chapter. He says this, I know this, there's no other God outside the God in Israel. He claims with his mouth, God, of the Jehovah God, God of Israel is the only God there is. He gets saved. And we, and a lot of times in this story, in, in this account, Elisha gets all the credit because Elisha's the man of God that told him to go dip in Jordan. But Naaman would have never known about Elisha had it not been for this little man. Naaman would have never known that there was a, a possibility of being healed down in Israel if there wouldn't have been a little girl. And tonight, I'm, 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 I drove four hours to tell you that it's no matter how insignificant you may feel, God wants to use you. God wants to use you in the circumstances you're in. The situation you're in. The trouble you're in. Here's why. Because God specializes in using little people. <clears throat> I say this and I'm done. We read in this story about this little maid and we never read about her becoming anything more than a maid. As far as we know, we don't know anything. As far as we know, she went from a little maid to a little old maid. That might be where we get the, the little card, kid card game from. Old, old maid. I don't know. As far as we know, she never, she never ever rises above being a slave. She might have, I don't know. And here, here's my point why I say that. Many times we read about characters in the Old Testament and we say, well, yeah, yeah, I'll be like Joseph. I, yeah, if my brethren want to throw me in a pit. Yeah, 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 if everybody wants to turn their back on. I'll do all of that if I get to be second in command at the end of my life like Joseph did. You know how Joseph rose up. Oh, we read about Daniel. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm fine getting thrown in the lion's den like Daniel did as long as at the end of my life I get to be third in command of Babylon. We look at David and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be, a, I'll be a shepherd boy if at the end I get to be king. You know what I'm saying? Here's what I'm saying. Sometimes, here's, here's what the point I'm making. Sometimes we'll say, yeah, I'll serve God if when I get to serving God, I get to rise up. I get to be more. I get, you know, I get to have some authority. I get to get the spotlight. I get to whatever, name it, whatever you're wanting, whatever. But what if he just leaves you little? What, what if you're like this little maid and you just continue to be a little maid? Let me read some New Testament verses to you and I'm done. Will you come play that song that I mean, where, um, where you, he leads, I will follow. Will you play that softly? Let me read some New Testament verses. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. 
For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in His presence. God specializes in using little people. So never get the idea that God can't use you. It doesn't make a difference where you're from. It doesn't make a difference what abilities you have or abilities you don't have. If you give your life to God, He will use you. You may be a well-known missionary one day. You might be a great preacher, a great pastor, but you may not. You may just stay a little maid. Little, yes. Insignificant, no. Naaman never gets the healing if she don't say nothing. Some of the things you imagine are smallest, God uses for the greatest. There's parents here and parents, you may never ever preach to hundreds of thousands of people, but you may, if you lead your child to Christ, one of them might. You may never win somebody across the world, may never see somebody saved across the world personally, but you, you give to the work of God and God will let you send some missionary to get the gospel across the world. Or maybe you're in, maybe a Sunday school teacher, maybe not, maybe just a word fitly spoken in fellowship time, a word fitly spoken to somebody may encourage them to serve the Lord and then them go do something for God. God's got a record book for that kind of stuff. I think about a little lady, the church I was at when I was a teenager, when I started preaching, her name was Miss Lou. Miss Lou was raising her boy, her grandson Blake. Miss Lou was a little poor little widow lady. She didn't have nothing. Miss Lou didn't even know what year she was born in. She didn't know, she didn't really even know her real birthday. She just kind of picked a day to celebrate. Poor, uneducated. And we'd get in the foyer of that church, and I had that radio broadcast back then. And every now and then Miss Lou would come and try to give me, she'd give me a $20 bill. I'd say, Miss Lou, I can't take that from you. She said, uh, she said, oh, yes, preacher boy. She called me preacher boy. She said, yes, preacher boy, you've got to take it. I said, no, ma'am, I can't take that from you. That wouldn't be right for me to take that from you. She said, preacher boy, you, you can't rob me of no blessing. You can't rob me of no blessing. God's wanting to, told me to do this. I want to help you pay for that radio broadcast. And most times she helped pay, pay half the month's bill by little pieces of money she'd give me. Miss Lou's in glory now. And Miss Lou never did preach a message on the radio. Miss Lou never did teach a Sunday school class. Miss Lou never did do anything as far as the world or even the church. Nobody put a plaque on the wall for her. Nobody put her name on a pew or a window. Nobody put anything. They didn't put an in-memory garden for Miss Lou. But I tell you, there's a record book for Miss Lou. And this morning, and listen, I'm not putting anything on me. But last week, I preached 16 times. From Sunday to Thursday, I preached 16 different times. This 
this morning. I preached to over 500 people this morning. And tonight I'm preaching to this crowd of people. And God's letting me be part of a church that's getting the gospel around the world. Do you realize today that this week we have gotten the gospel out around the world, literally around the world, through this little church? And God's letting us do it. Why? Hey, because there was a little Lou, little Miss Lou, that invested in me and prayed for me and egged me on and encouraged me. Hey, watch this. That, that could be you. You could do that for somebody. A little maid that had a big God that had a big message. God will use you if you'll be used. I don't care how old you are or how young you are, God wants to use you. I asked this last question. What could God use you? What could God use you to set in motion for Christ? Think about it. Sometimes all we think about is what we can accomplish for Christ. You know, like we think if I can't accomplish this or I can't accomplish that, then I'm not doing anything. But watch this. What could God use you to set in motion? This little girl couldn't save Naaman. She couldn't heal him. But she set in motion. Matter of fact, she didn't even tell Naaman. She told Naaman's wife. Watch this. And another unnamed servant heard it. And he went to Naaman and said, uh, thus and thus said the little girl. That's what it said. You know what? Naaman went to the king, King Syria. King Syria wrote a letter to the king of Israel. Still ain't got to the right place. The king of Syria wrote a letter to the king of Israel. King of Israel rents his clothes because he said, am I God? I can't do anything about this. I'm not God. And Elisha heard about it and sent a servant said, hey, send him over to my house. Elisha didn't even talk to Naaman. He sent a servant. Well, I'm just talking about all the pieces, all the people God used in this story to get Naaman saved. You might be the little maid. You might be the unnamed servant that tells Naaman. You might be the unnamed servant that goes to tell the king of Israel. You might be the unnamed servant that answers Elisha's door. You might be the servant that talks Naaman off a cliff. Naaman's so mad, he says, I'm just going to go die. And the servant says, hey, wouldn't you, wouldn't you try this? Look, you could be that unnamed. Hey, listen, a bunch of unnamed people in this story. And watch this. None of them could heal. And watch this. Elisha couldn't even heal him. That wasn't the power of Elisha. That was the power of God. They set it all in motion. What could you set in motion for God? Maybe a revival. Maybe great evangelistic work. Maybe a mission movement. Maybe a church planting effort. Maybe just reaching our community with the gospel. Maybe just inviting somebody to church on Sunday, this Sunday. That one invitation to church this Sunday might change that person's life. Let's all stand, heads bowed, and eyes closed. Give the burden of my heart. God wants you to be that little maid. God wants to use you tonight. I guess the youngest person in here tonight is little Marley. Uh, I guess the oldest person in here is Brother Ernest, I reckon. And from Marley, from little Marley all the way to Brother Ernest, and every age group in between, God wants to use you. He does. Everybody can't be Elisha, and everybody can't be Naaman. But everybody can be a little maid, and everybody can be a little servant. Just serving God. He's playing that song. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Tonight. Just a handful of us tonight, but you know God turned the world upside down with 12 men.
2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. We're already better. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 17 of us tonight. We got five more. Five more than the, than the number 12. And God used 12 to turn the world upside down. They didn't have internet. They didn't have cars. They didn't have modern technology. So I wonder what God can do with 17. We got 17 here. I think we got 22 or 23 up in North Carolina right now. Got another handful out tonight. I wonder what God will do with a church like this. If the you know, it ain't gonna do it, ain't gonna do it just it ain't gonna do it just with just just a few of us. It's gonna take all of us. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the message tonight, not because of who 